0: Hello there and welcome back to another Pylon Ultra podcast. I am James Stewart. We're delighted to have you here. This is the third in our specials from the Tearora Trail. The Tearora Trail is the epic journey that Paul Giblin is on just now, going from north to south from in New Zealand, from the North Island to the South Island, trying his damnedest to break an FKT, but in reality, just to get from that northern point to the southern point. We are on episode 3 just now and Paul is a long ways into the journey and you're going to hear from him here. We've got a number of questions we've sent Paul and you'll hear, like on the previous two versions of this podcast, you'll hear live from the trail. So there'll be some background noise, there'll be some foot stomping, some huffing and puffing as Paul makes his way up hills and also some bird song, which if you just prick your ears enough, you can hear in the background, and you get a sense of what Paul's doing. There'll be some apologies made by Paul for the quality of the audio, but it sounds pretty good to me. Now, what I thought I would do, we're on episode 3, but let's just rewind a wee bit. Let me tell you what the Te Aurora Trail is. Te Aurora, the long pathway, is New Zealand's long-distance tramping route. It's almost 3,000 kilometres, or 1,900 miles. And it basically joins the two main islands up from, um, um, from Cape Renga to Bluff. And it's officially opened in 2011 and as a trail, it is track, trail, walkways, roads, mountains, bog and everything else you can ask for. And if you've listened to the previous pods before, some of the hardest stuff is basically unlooked after farmland. It's a walkway that has been in the minds of New Zealanders for a long time, but it's really started to grow and attract a lot of tourism and a lot of interest now. Paul's been out in New Zealand for the past year. Um, with Alice, who's his crew alongside their dog, Maya. And this is, I guess, part of his send off to the country, a chance to leave an impression on the place that he's been. It's been a tough journey so far. If you're following on Instagram, you can get Paul at pylon and at pylon on Twitter too. But Instagram is where they're most active and Alice is doing most of the posting there. And on that page there, you can get a sense of just how it's going with the daily messages. And we touch upon some of that on the call or on this podcast today as we asked Paul about his impressions of the route we asked Paul about some of the challenges and stuff he's had particularly a pretty adventurous crossing between the South and well the North and the South Island and a whole bunch of other stuff there's some questions from a number of listeners we've got Greg um, and Gary and Nikki who've popped us some questions that Paul's going to answer later as well and then there'll be a final message for you all this as I said is our third in the series, I won't give away where Paul's at just now. If you want to be really up to date, get on Instagram and follow his stories there. Um, but you'll get a sense of where we are in the journey here. We picked up last time, just as a Paul was getting close to the completion of the North Island. And we're going to pick up partway through the South Island now. So without further ado, I'll hand you over to Paul. And the first question I asked Paul was an obvious one, right? Is this, just paint a picture for us. Where are you? How long have you been out there for? And how far have you covered? I'll hand you over to Paul Giblin right now.
1: Hi James, how you doing? I don't have my microphone with me but I'm conscious you sent these questions a few days ago and I just haven't had a chance at all. So I'll try my phone. I've just started, I think it's day 41. Um, Yeah, so much has happened since we last spoke. Um, I think that was a couple of weeks back or whatever but obviously I'm on the South Island now it's uh, very very different from the North Island and I've just had 6-7 days of really tough terrain and uh, lots of issues to try and deal with so um, this morning uh, we had to drive down a dirt road for about an hour it's a pretty bad dirt road Probably not suitable for a van, but that's where we are. Anyway, uh, there's two big river crossings, the braided rivers, they call them, uh, which are not on the TA. um, So they don't advise you to attempt to cross them. So you basically go to one trailhead and then you have to drive around to get to the other trailhead. So uh, we got to the starting point last night, which was my finishing point. And uh, I finished last night about midnight. It was a long day. It was really tough. Um, we slept for a few hours in the campsite and then we drove that dirt road round this morning. So I've just started maybe about 20 minutes ago. And I've got a long day ahead. I've got about 74k or something. Uh, which is fine. If I was feeling 100% I'd be fine. i just grind it out but I've had an issue with my shin it's really swollen up badly and it's really really painful. But as I said to Alice it's only every second stride it's so only every time only every time my foot touches the ground. Um, But yeah it's been a bit of a worry the last few days. Came on about two or three days ago. Um, So yeah just trying to deal with that. Keep moving forward and get back on track.
0: Wow, um, so day forty-one. He thinks that tells it. It tells a lot about where you're at. I mean, that's just put that in context. That's six weeks, or almost a month and a half, and they're still over at least a week of running to go out there for Paul and Alice and Maya as well. In terms of both crewing and supporting, and you heard from Paul there talking just a wee bit about the shin challenge he's got on there. There was an update on Instagram yesterday. Um, a wee bit an earlier stop and some work on it, and it feels like it's better, but. At this stage, everything hurts, um, which feels like it could be an R.E.M. song. Now, ask Paul as well, crossing from the north to the South Island, as Paul said, we hadn't spoken for a couple of weeks. So crossing from the north to the South Island, did that feel like a big milestone?
1: As far as it feeling like a milestone, James, I, I did. Like getting into Wellington, uh, they, they tend to do these, you see them these long trails when you get into a bigger city. Um, they've obviously agreed with the council or something that, oh yeah, we'll send them round the city and show them all the sites in the city and all the parks and the trails and stuff so you kind of get into Wellington and you think, oh, I'm nearly finished but then it takes you away up the back and to go and see parks that, like, you've been out in the wilderness for a while so you don't really need to see a local park but, um, so that took quite a while that's why I finished after 9pm but it did feel like a milestone, like running down there. Uh, I was, I was kind of, not excited, but I did feel good. I did feel like I'd achieved something for a little while. And then it kind of played against me when I got to the South Island. I think it was partly that day because I was retired. And then it felt like I was starting again. It felt like a real low, I think, after... Been excited about getting to Wellington. Um, So yeah, I didn't feel that great. To be honest, it felt like I was starting again rather than... Oh, I've ticked one off, now let's get stuck into the second one.
0: That's a really, really interesting observation there, isn't it? Like, when you're doing something like that in two parts... ...it's almost like when you're doing an out and back... ...and you go all the way out and you think... ...now I have to go all the way back and it's like... ...especially if you've been following the tracker on the map... ...when you watch Paul's progress it's really slow because, the you know, it's 3,000 kilometres, so it's not like a, a 5k where you're going, right, that's another kilometre in three, three and a half, four minutes or what have you. Um, so it can seem really, really long. And once you've made that leap, you know, once you've got closer to the water, I guess now you're as far away from the water as you ever were on the North Island. Really interesting observation. Just on his point about going round the city, um, I've done a couple of FKTs in Scotland that some of you will be aware of, the John Muir Way and the five coastal path and the amount of times those paths go up and down random streets around random things and um, especially the five coastal path because you're going through all the little towns on the east nook of five it's like there is just no need for a second if i went in a straight line it'd be half the distance so i feel paul's pain there but yeah he's on the south island now but it was a bit of an adventure crossing the south island if you didn't catch this on social media ask paul if he could maybe just give us a sense or a flavor of what it was like uh, crossing it it looked like a bit of an adventure
1: Um, I'm trying to remember everything James It just everything goes into a blur Uh, we've had a lot of issues a lot of problems that we've dealt with uh, but haven't been ideal so I can't remember I arrived maybe about 9.30 at night in Wellington uh, which is the south point of the North Island so that's where you finish up it's not actually in Wellington, it's around the other side. So Alice picked me up there and then we just drove around to the ferry terminal. Uh, I was supposed to get some work done, have a bit of sleep. Uh, our ferry was at 2am. But by the time we got round there and you we weren't sure what time you were going, they were going to board you and all that, we never got any sleep, never got any work done. And uh, it was a really busy ferry. It was a bit of a stress to make sure we were on it. And we kind of thought that was probably the best option where we lose the least time. So, did that, got on a ferry, we couldn't get a bunk. We'd had one, but we'd had to move the booking, I think. So, we are just in the general, but... So, Alice ran up the stairs to try and find us a seat where we could maybe sleep. At least for a few hours, but... The only seats that were available were in the cinema room, uh, which was comfortable enough. And Alice said, uh, I don't worry, they won't put the film on at two o'clock in the morning. So get myself comfortable, buff over my eyes, and of course, two movies absolutely blaring. So I never slept a wink. Alice slept through it all, of course, but... I can't even tell you what movie was on but I word for word heard everything every explosion, every gunshot um, so the boat arrived just after 6am and then we had to drive around from Picton to the little boat which will then take me up to Ship Cove which is the northerly point of the South England not the most northerly but that's where the TA starts um, So yeah, we drove around to that car park, had some breakfast, got my stuff sorted uh, and got on that ferry at 8 o'clock. I was pretty tired and uh, yeah, we were on the ferry for about 45 minutes or something. It's just a small thing, maybe about 20 people on board and uh, one of the engines breaks down. So we had to uh, get us off onto an island. And left us there and said somebody else will come and get you. So that was a bit of stress. It was just getting later and later in the day. I was hoping to start for nine o'clock. But I don't think I started until 10.30. And then you're on the Queen Charlotte track. Which is quite famous over here. Everybody raves about it. I mean it's nice. It's, It's actually nicer to see from the water. When you're actually on the trail, you're kind of surrounded by trees. You don't see that much, but lots of coves and stuff. And uh first hour was fine and then I just... It was pretty miserable. I just felt tired and didn't enjoy it at all. And Alice was going to get in at 50 yeah uh, but she couldn't because the road was closed. I never really had enough stuff for the full... The Charlotte tracks about 72, but... A wee bit more than that Um, So yeah It was just a grind All day Eventually she managed To get in at a point And then I had to go back out And just finish that So Yeah it was a warm welcome To the South Island If I'm honest And a small sign Of things to come Even though the actual trail Itself was fairly easy Uh, You could go and do it As a As a really long Training run Okay Or if you did it With some friends It'd be quite nice There's not much in there, a couple of wee camp places, I had shops and stuff, but, had a shop, I never had enough money with me, I had one can of drink and that was it, yeah, so, welcome to the South Island.
0: (laughs) Welcome to the South Island indeed, what, um, I, I mean, I'm using the word adventure, but, Um, I think I would have been like Louis Faringo. That's for our older listeners amongst us Um, and would have wrecked the place out of sheer frustration. But well done. You've got to the South Island and you're moseying on now. We'll ask a wee bit more about the run itself in a minute. But we got a few questions from some of our listeners and our pylonettes our pylon fans out there and one of them Nikki, who's Mara, runs on instagram she asked a question and Nikki's finding her way into long trail running and ultra running just now so this is a question you you might if you're an experienced ultra runner you might think why would you ask that but actually i remember having some of this same thought process and concern and anxiety when i first started doing trail running and long running so Nikki's question was do you ever get scared or anxious running along unknown trails? And with the possibility of uncertainty of terrain and when plans have to change, like some of the diversions you've already experienced, how does that play out? Nicky,
1: good question about do you get scared or nervous or anxious about certain trails and stuff? Um, I don't I don't tend to normally. Like, I'm not one of those. I know some people get a bit, a bit anxious running at night and stuff and being out in the forest at night, I'm usually okay. Uh, but I've definitely, last few days I've been really anxious knowing I've got these river crossings or knowing the best place to cross and the risks involved and uh, so yeah I've definitely had a bit of anxiety then and it, it kind of adds to your overall stress for the day I think you know you've got the physical stuff obviously uh, which you're probably more used to, but the, you add that on, and the nerves, and a few days back when I was pushing really, really hard to, to get out of there and get to Alice, at Morrison Bridge in particular, you know, you're trying to move as quick as you can, and you feel the pressure, but you know you're going to be in trouble if the rivers are still high. So, yeah, there's definitely been a bit of a... A danger element that I probably wasn't expecting. I just didn't realise it would be, it'd be impacted so much by, by water. North Island, there was loads of have to cross estuaries at the right time at low tide. So you have to get your timings right. Um, it's through mangroves, which are pretty nasty and muddy underfoot. But if the water comes in then and you're in trouble... Uh, getting access to rivers all that has been taking its toll I think a wee bit because some of the other longer multi-day things I've done they're much less stressful in terms of getting in, getting access what do you do if something goes wrong, can you get back out again whereas here especially in the South Island you're, you're committed for a few days sometimes and uh Yeah, i probably stress about running out of food. It's one of my top priorities. Um, And it's just like dehydrated mules are the best you can carry. And uh, boil up some water and get them down. But I think these people kind of look at me odd. Well, they do anyway. It's funny, you go into these huts and it's full of trampers or hikers. Mostly through hikers or people in the TA. And uh, they've been out for quite a long time or whatever But you're at at the same point In the trail so You can assume they've mostly done the same as me Although quite a lot of them will Hitch a lift on road sections or They'll skip any really risky sections Which is fair enough, that's their Choice in their journey but You go in and Because I maybe look a bit different uh, I've got running clothes on or Whatever they don't really talk very much. Uh, the other day it was just there was sixteen people all joking around, laughing, talking about where they've been, what they're doing, favourite sections, all that, and just wasn't welcome to the conversation at all. So it's very strange. It's maybe just a bit of tribalism or something. You know the way humans want to form tribes with people who look the same and think the same, and whatever. Very strange, or maybe just assume I'm not doing the TA um, because I've got a smaller pack and shorts and running shoes on or something. I don't know. So, yeah, it's been a bit strange, but definitely I've been more stressed and anxious about this route than any other I've done in the past. And uh, yeah, I guess probably a bit fearful at times. It's definitely fearful the other morning sitting out at five with those two big river crossings Um, and I don't really know what I would have done if I couldn't get across I'd have had another night in a hut with absolutely zero food which would have been fine I just had to deal with it but I suppose I had a sleeping bag at least uh, a couple of weeks before in the North Island in the Tararua ranges I got a bit caught out and it was one o'clock in the morning and I had to stay in a hut which was not planned at all. So it was just shorts and t t-shirt freezing one o'clock in the morning. Fortunately, there was a couple of mattresses and that was it. Slept on a mattress and pulled the second one on top of myself to try and keep warm. So, yeah, it's a stressful, stressful trail, this one. Even for Alice to get into places and even this morning, literally an hour ago, we had to drive the van across a river on this dirt road and It was just It was pretty stressful
0: (laughs) And there you go Um, I hope that answered your question Nicky there I mean look The bottom line is is No matter how experienced you are um, The situations you put yourself in Are going to uh, add some discomfort And Paul's feeling a lot of that Just now Probably both physically and mentally Talked about feeling a wee bit anxious About some of the terrain And getting into the unknown And You've obviously had some misses in terms of meeting um, up with Alice and even the car crash event that happened that meant Alice had to get a lift off a friendly stranger recently from the other side of the crash to get to Paul an hour away. There's so much going on. Um, and we've all used a mattress of it as a duvet before, right? I mean, just take a minute to think about that. You might be 35, 36, 37 days into a trail, so you're a couple of thousand kilometres in. You just want to sleep, and you're in a bothy with five or six other people, and it's cold. And all you can do to cover yourself is take another mattress on top of the one that you're already probably feeling a bit icky about being on. Yeah. Um, well. Anyway, something a wee bit more, um, a wee bit more joyful is talking about food. And Greg asks Paul um, one of two questions. The first question he asks is favorite meal or snack that Alice has rustled up. And it says the cheap pizza doesn't count
1: I've had some good lunches with Alice If I ever have any days at I see her, That isn't just the end um, It's been quite hard to find Especially in the South Island To find like vegan food that's quick and easy to cook So yeah, it's, that's been a bit tough She's made some nice gnocchi And she even baked a cake In the van, can you believe it? I bought one of these pot things and it's like an oven and you put it on the top we've only got like a gas burner so I had some of that the other day which is quite nice but I've been eating a lot of hash browns I know it's weird I never eat hash browns but you can buy those frozen so they're quite easy to cook up for lunch hash browns and some beans and bagels and avocado Um, I just try and Anytime I see i try and get as many calories in as I can. I just much prefer it. And then we've had some support from Rome who do these nut butters and little packets. So I have some with me during the day, but they were a godsend when I was staying in the huts. So in the morning I'd cook up some porridge and have a couple of those as well just to bulk up the calories and And bulk up some flavour as well So they've been really good and useful
0: Ah man, I'm hungry After just listening to that there And I think something to bear in mind Many of you know, Paul is vegan And um, he's on an island where There are more sheep than people Um, And therefore, you know, obviously Lamb uh, is a as a you know a regular cuisine, it's a bit like you know Argentina and it's beef and it's cows. But um, all kidding aside, that plays a part in what Paul has to eat and obviously getting his protein. He has to be really assiduous about that. And he he mentions some of his sponsors on his, his Instagram stories and stuff as well. Um, and if you're vegan or vegetarian, it's worth just checking out how Paul's managing that as well. Um, but he's lucky. He has Alice and uh, Alice there rustling up some good food and trying to source some some of the right stuff for him. Greg also asked um, what Paul's most valuable bit of kit was. Um, well, he was betting on Starlink, but Paul's about to talk to you a wee bit about actually some more practical stuff like poles and what have you.
1: That's a tough one. Running kit, it's probably been the poles in the last few days. Um, just helpful for crossing rivers, especially, uh, and just testing out how deep the water is. Sometimes you can't see how what you're stepping into. So they've been really useful. Although, uh, after the Richmond Ranges with Louis, I had uh, Nelson Lakes, which has got some big, big mountains. And uh, I was running out to it. So I hadn't started and that was going to be two or three nights in huts. I stand on this big tree root and it just slipped. The pole got stuck and snapped. So I was down to one pole just when you know you've got three days of mountains ahead. I'm like, could anything else go wrong here? Um, so they've been really, really useful. The Starlink's been good, yeah. Um, unfortunately, the Starlink can probably only run it for an hour or two if we're not plugged in in a campsite. Uh, we put like an inverter and a solar panel on the van. So you can use it in an emergency and Alice has been able to use it Sometimes if she's waiting in a little car park at the end of a dirt road she's got no chance of signal so she's got no way of checking the tracker and then she kind of panics is she still moving? Is there a problem? Other people can't tell her that oh yeah the tracker's still moving It's fine so she's been able to fire that up and watch works, works really well although the first one we had broke so they sent out a replacement but we're I've still got the second one to send back and it doesn't fit in the box now because the Starlink's like a rectangular dish and it moves on its own to find the satellite. So the leg that it stands on is poking out so it doesn't fit in any size of box. So as if we weren't cramped enough in a tiny van. Two of us and the dog. So yeah, that's been pretty handy. And then running kit's just... Your normal stuff make sure i've got a hat on every day and keep the sun off the uv index is really high in new zealand so you really feel But i've had no bad burn accidents yet
0: and there lies in a really important message there is having options and having kit for the the terrain and environment you're in i would never have thought about headwear and even if you've got a hair and paul paul shaves his napper um, but if you have hair Um, UV index can still damage you and you know, we we might make the mistake of thinking New Zealand's a lot like Scotland in terms of its climate, but clearly there's different things at play, little nuances that if left unchecked could be big problems Gary Henderson, who Garavi Gravy70 on Twitter, also sent us a question that kind of follows on from the the one we've just had from Greg so he asks, with the terrain changing dramatically during each day of running how does Paul choose the best footwear to suit and has he regretted any choices? And when it when, and if he does have a regret, how easy is it to get the focus back on track for the job in hand?
1: Hey Gary, uh, good question, yeah. Um, I was thinking about that the other day. Uh, the terrain changes all the time here. Uh, some days you can be on a beach and then you can be on some rough mountains on the same day. And, uh, yeah, footwear hasn't been super stressful um I try and look at what's coming but I've got like a the kind of picture is like a hybrid shoe I suppose it's a cross between a road shoe and a trail shoe um, and that's been useful sometimes but the minute then it starts to get really rocky or rough underfoot they're not so good then so yeah I've just been changing if I'm seeing Alice it's fine you can you can have a look at what the next section's gonna be like But if you're out all day I'll kind of veer to the side of trail shoes just in case Um, because I'd rather if I had to run on trail shoes on road for a bit and then at least have them for later on so um, I don't think I've had any big regrets. A couple of times I've had road shoes on and then all of a sudden for like 8 k it'll put you on the Roughest or most boggy section off-road, like behind people's houses. There's one section in North Island that obviously I'd done like a really long day. I think I had maybe eight k or something left to do. I'd been on the road for the past couple of hours, and then it, it just took you through some swamp. So I've only got one pair of road shoes with me, and I was in a swamp up into my. To my butt So I was pretty annoyed then Some serious swearing And uh, <laughs> Yeah, shouting But Yeah Survived So Yeah, it's, it is a bit tricky And then uh Your question about Just resetting yourself It's almost like I talked about earlier You get very focused in the day about I need to get to that hut And then I'm going to go to that hut And once I'm there, I'm halfway, and once I get to there, and that's me finished. You're very, very focused during the day on that, and then it's gone. So when I wake up in the morning and the alarm goes off, it's just, we reset, we start again. Pretend yesterday never really happened. That's what I'm trying to do this morning. Yesterday was really painful, just with this shin. And like I said, I finished at midnight. I think we started a bit later because we had to drive. But uh, (laughs) Thanks. Okay. Yeah, I started at 8, so... It's a long day, you know. And, uh, yeah, I had to just put it behind me now and focus on the next one. And uh, eventually, there'll be only one day left. At some point. Which will be a nice feeling, but probably quite sad at the time as well. But... I'd take it now if you offered it to me, obviously. Uh, Yeah, yeah. just uh, reset the mind and go again. That's all I can do, really. Sometimes it's harder in the first few weeks just because you haven't made any progress on the map at all. But once you start making some progress, it's a bit easier. So I think we're kind of looking like we're moving down to South Island now, finally. Which is nice.
0: Now, at the outset of this, I promise you, you'll hear some ambient noises. You know, you can hear Paul's footsteps and his breaths. And if you listen really closely, maybe rewind back 30 to 40 seconds, you actually hear a sheep bleating in the background, um, which is pretty cool. Kind of gives you a sense of the the environment Paul's in just now. So, yes, Gary, I hope he answered your question there. I I love the fact that he's like, one day, there'll only be one day left to go. When you're measuring your effort um, in increments of days, kind of gives you a sense of just what what you're, you've set yourself up for here. Um, so that was our questions from our listeners, people who have been tuning in and keeping up to date with the story so far. But I'd like to just kind of go back, a few more things to cover off with Paul. Let's get a sense of what the terrain is like out there. So I asked Paul, um, you know, the last few days on the South Island, he's talked about the bothy stays and mattresses and blankets and all that stuff. I feel itchy just thinking about it. But it looks like he's had good company and support. And how has that support helped?
1: Yeah, once you get the Queen Charlotte track out the way, you start heading towards the mountains um, and the Richmond ranges. Pretty much. I maybe had a day in between. I think I had a day in between. It was a wee bit easier. It was a wee bit flatter. And I didn't run quite so long um, after that monster day on the Queen Charlotte. Um, and then... Uh, Louis uh, a guy I'd known from social media but I hadn't met him or anything he'd offered he'd got in touch a couple of weeks back and said listen um, I'm from this area I know it really well the Richmond ranges are really tough some of the toughest sections you'll do um, I can maybe drop some stuff in huts if you want that makes things easier so Alice was talking to him because I was running mostly but so he agreed on uh, Sunday, I think it was, I had like 45k to run into a hut and he would be there and then we'd go and attack the Richmond ranges from there. So we did that. Uh, I met Louis with Alice at some hut that they had been dropped at and then they hiked in a bit to come meet me, um, which was really nice for 10 minutes just to see everyone together and it felt quite nice. And Maya was there, she was just running wild. We got a permit for her to be there. Um, Hold on, I'll stop just now because of the water sound. So I think it was mid to late afternoon. Uh, I said goodbye to Alice, picked up my big pack. That's pretty heavy, sleeping bag and food. Uh, cooking stuff and all that, eating. Um, Yeah, and headed up with uh, Louie. So we did, I don't know, we did the first big climb, maybe a bit more, uh, and stayed in our first hut. Must have got there maybe 8 o'clock or something, maybe. I don't know, but it's been quite a long day. And uh, the huts are really busy, so the huts are... They're kind of like bothies, Scottish bothies, but they're run, managed by the DOC, the Department of Conservation. So kind of council-owned. I mean, they're a great service. They're all quite different in the huts. Some have six bunks, some have two, some have twenty. Some are modern, some are hundred years old, and uh, pretty dilapidated. So we got up there. And there was people outside eating. Mostly TA hikers. Um, And there was only one bed left. So Louis gave it to me and he slept on the floor. And then the next day we did a really quite a long day. Big mountains, big alpine, rocky technical stuff, which was nice. Uh, But tiring, obviously we got into the next hut that we were targeting hunters i think it was and uh yeah it was full so we were both on the floor there i'll pause again the next hut was pretty small can't remember if it was a six or an eight or something but it was full anyway um so we were both both on the floor and we're both trying to travel as light as we could so we never had a mattress or anything with us like a camp mat or sleep pad or anything so uh, there's a couple of girls in there uh, in the bothies themselves if they've got bunks they've got like a kind of vinyl mattress thing so uh, they let us borrow their camp mats which is really kind of them and uh, yeah it just went from there really long days lots of ascent lots of technical uh, downhills, and uh, I think we were just about two days or something to knock off the Richmond ranges, two and a half probably by the time we got down. Uh, but I did some really good support from Louis. It was really nice just to be able to chat for a while and not just constantly looking at how many kilometres you've done, um, especially when you're out there the whole time and not seeing any support. Uh, so that was good.
0: I mean, I think that sums it up there. Um, having done a couple of piling endeavours, even when you're only running maybe 40, 50 miles or you're doing legs in the West Highland Way, having people pop up every now and then really keeps you going. So having Louie there for a couple of days, um, it's the random guy you've met on social media over the time and you get to spend some time with him. It just shows you the strength of our running community and I'm sure Paul appreciated that. And I've already mentioned it before and I'll mention it towards the end. Sending Paul a message, letting him know you're you're keen, you're interested and you're you're willing them on from either the same side of the world or the other side, really helps make a difference. We're gonna ask him one last question or for one bit of insight from him, which is basically, what is the focus for the week ahead? We're getting near the end game now, um, but there's still a long way to go, well over a week. So what is the focus? The focus
1: for this week really is just try and get some of these complicated sections out of the way. Um, so it was really complicated a few days back You're having to pack for two nights in huts on my own um, I can't remember if it was maybe, it was the second night I think I get away up And we've crossed over the uh, Wahoo, 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 Wahoo Pass uh, Which is beautiful Managed I used to go over there in the morning Having stayed in a hut the night before Again, it had no room, it was on the floor. Um, get to the next hut, which was fine. It was a, a big 20-person, kind of modern one. They're basic, you know, it's just... No, adjusted just did anything, they're just like metal worktops that you can put your burner on uh, and a mattress and some bunks, but... Um, I knew I had a big day the next day so I kind of sorted out my stuff at night and got to bed. There's nothing nothing else I can do when I'm there. You've got no signal or nothing so you are basically in bed for nine o'clock. My trouble always is then when I've got nothing to do and I've been out all day is eating all the food that I've got left and leaving yourself short for the next day so uh, that's always been a bit of a challenge so I got up early Um, well there's a lot of snoring goes on in these huts. Like insane snoring. So I got up in the night and dragged my mattress out into the kitchen and I uh, slept there and left there because of the big day. And then the third night in the huts a big storm came in overnight like high winds and rain and rain and wind and rain and uh I'd planned to be up and out for five again, but the wind was howling. It just seemed crazy and had a lot of river crossings. So I had to wait until about seven o'clock and it looked like it was getting slightly better, but nobody else was leaving the hut or anything. There's maybe about 18 people in there. So I got out at seven and then the plan was to get to the other side and get to Alice and then sleep in the van that night. That's all the food I had, really. Uh, but I ended up getting stuck. I just couldn't. Too big. There's lots of river crossings, right? And it's like... It's not the fact that they're deep or anything. It's just how fast-flowing they are and how rough they are underfoot. foot. So... I debated whether to try this or not, but the water levels are so high. And um, I got stuck in another hut overnight. Um, which was a bit of a shame held me back a little bit and then the next morning I got up early and had to go and do those river crossings uh, which were really stressful you can read them in the trail notes and you know they're coming and it does say after heavy rain don't attempt just spend another night in the hut and stuff but I just couldn't do it it was like everything was unravelling then if I lost another night so, yeah, I kind of went for it. The water had good down a wee bit, but... Yeah, uh, it was pretty pretty fast flowing. It was ripping and was river crossings and... It's just stressful. stressful crossing them. Because you make a mistake and you get knocked over. You're in a bit of trouble because you're miles from anywhere. And then you're cold and wet, even if you can get back on your feet. So, yeah, that was a bit a bit tough those few days so the next few days uh, they have these did I just say that? I don't know hold on they have these sections if I've said it already you can cut it out James um, of what they call braided rivers so they're huge like some of them are like nine kilometres wide and it's just rivers rivers going every way possible and uh, it's not part of the official route, so uh, they warn against attempting them. And just looking back right now, it's just it would just be crazy, and it would take you forever as well. And just not worth it. So, um, I've got two of those sections to get done. So this is the first one today. I'll be happier when we get through that. But we're kind of back on plan now. Yesterday I had a really long day. I finished at midnight with this dodgy shin it's been so slow uh, and some of the terrain is just so testing you're down these small river valleys fast flowing water and you're crossing you have to cross like 25 times in a section over boulders and it's really hard going so I've got more of that today I think in 70 odd kilometres so like I said um, I had a bit of support Louis pulled together a plan for the next 8 days but it's kind of putting us at 50 days uh, the FKT is just under that so I don't know I don't know what we'll do uh, but at least we're roughly on a plan here I think the route changes my route's certainly different from uh, the guy who holds the record Um So yeah, yeah, we'll just keep pushing on. Hopefully, if I can get a wee bit of of space with this leg today, we can get that bit of it done. And then we've got another long drive round on some dirt roads to get to the next trailhead. Uh, But hopefully it won't be midnight tonight, but we'll wait and see. So that's it, really. A few big days ahead. You keep thinking, like what I do at the start of each day, I'm like... Right, this is the focus for the day. I need to get to that end point. Or I need to get that halfway point and I'll meet Alice. And then I reset and I go again. So, you feel some sense of relief or satisfaction at the end of the day. Like a tiny amount. And then, as soon as that alarm goes in the morning, it's all forgotten. And you've just got the next thing that you need to get done. So It's been like that the whole time, obviously. It's not like I've had a rest day. But a rest day would be real nice at the moment, I think Probably give my leg a bit of a break And ice and stuff and it'd probably be okay But I just don't have that luxury So just pressing on, James
0: I mean, you, you know, the focus is basically more of the same Cover the terrain as quick as you can Stay safe, manage the pain and get the work done Which is kind of what it's been like from day one But as Paul said, I mean, if you if you can look on the map, um, you'll see a, a big difference in how it looks now versus where it was. Um, as he approaches the southern half of the South Island, it's almost, if you split it into uh, quarters, he's almost there. Ask Paul for any final message for you, the listener, that he would like to share. Here it is now.
1: Yeah, final message for me really is just a huge thanks to everyone who's Sent me a message or a comment or followed an Instagram account or anything like that, and just had some conversations. Um, I had a bunch of messages from some real running royalty as well, which uh, my good friend Douglas had organised and has been sending daily. So I had some really fun ones there as well, which is really nice. So it helps to feel like you having some kind of impact or, I don't know, maybe offering a wee bit of inspiration to people because, like, I know people will think, oh, he's been running for years and years and all that and he's just out having a good time, but, like, I'm just, like, a totally normal guy. I was well down mid-pack when they were handing out you know, athletic genetics. I just have a dream sometimes and decide I'm going to try and and don't give up unless I absolutely have to. So, like, whatever that is for you, I know it sounds a bit preachy or worthy, but whatever that is for you, like, you've got to try it. Like, life is way too short. This is like, especially emotional time for me I think just because this is about the time that we lost my dad and I've been thinking about that quite a lot my dad sometimes wasn't brave enough to go and do the things that he really wanted to do so I guess that's what pushes me a wee bit sometimes and maybe one day I'll get I'll feel like I've got some kind of approval from them I don't know but uh, yeah just do the things that you're really passionate about and commit to them and uh, it's really easy to put up blockers and go I can do that because of that and that wouldn't work and that wouldn't work and how would we organise that And I'm as guilty as anybody, I've been doing it about this trail for a while. But if it teaches you anything, it's just, there's always an obstacle. It's like the other day, I was thinking, I was running through this forest and it was muddy and wet and I was stressed about the river and, and there's just, there's always another obstacle and like we have this expectation that at some point life's going to be really smooth And there aren't going to be these obstacles, but... That's never the case, there isn't at that point. So we strive for something that's never going to happen. So... I must have crossed, I was thinking... I crossed over... 180... Fallen trees, right? And they get in your way and... Every time you try to run... You've got to stop to climb over another fallen tree. And I'm like... This is this whole run has been like that. The things that have gone wrong, we couldn't get access to the river, broken poles. The other day, had a really long day to try and get back on track after being stuck behind the river. Alice was gonna pick me up at the end. There was a car crash on the road, a single road. They closed the road for five hours. I've been running all day. shorts and t-shirt. And that was it. So there's always these obstacles. There's always something else. And this trail has properly taught me that every time you think things can't get any worse, there is another obstacle ahead, but you can just keep chipping away at them. And that's a key thing, so... Alice ended up... I don't know how she does it sometimes, but I think she just talks them into submission, to be honest. But there was a guy at the other side of the crash. His car was stuck there. So she went round and spoke to him and persuaded this really kind gentleman, Frank, German guy, to drive like an hour to go and pick me up at the end of the trail and then come back. And and, uh, then we could walk around the crash to get to the van. So yeah, um, yeah, there's always something, but... There's usually a way through if you persevere. Anyway, I'll leave it there. Thanks so much, guys, for everything. Keep the uh, comments coming. and I'm going to need a fair amount of support over the next eight or nine days. i am do my best to get as many miles done as I can each day. Uh, it won't be through lack of effort if I don't come in under 50. But we'll see. And thanks very much, James, for doing these. And hopefully, the sound isn't too bad and I don't sound too mental. But uh, I'll speak to you all soon. Cheers.
0: <laughs> the ramblings of a man who's covered well over 2,000 kilometres, probably closer to 1,500 miles, if you like to mix your currencies there. That was Paul Giblin giving you a view from the trail in our third to um special of the Pylon Ultra podcast. I'm James Stewart. I posed the questions, but some of you asked the questions and I just shared them with Paul. Our process for doing this is quite simple. I WhatsApp Paul some questions and he hits me back with some audio files because the practicality is, is when he's out on the trail, I'm in my bed. And when I am um, ready to chat, he's in his bed. And we, we're basically trying to make best use of both his time and his insight. And I, I really do feel that by hearing directly from the trail, you're getting a totally unabridged, unfiltered, and dare I say, raw might be the wrong word because raw raw makes it feel sound... Actually, you know what? Authentic is the word I'm looking for. You're getting an authentic view from the trail and you get a chance to hear just what's on Paul's mind at any given moment. You can hear he's battling a bit of pain with the leg and the shin. You can hear that he's had some challenges, whether it be logistics, car crashes, river crossings, island hopping, or whether it be just in terms of the Ever-changing terrain, the surprises that that brings with it, or the sheer enormity of trying to do this whilst running a business and trying to stay positive and connected with the world around him, he's done a remarkable job. He's in to the final, the final days, but still you count that as days. I said earlier when you're measuring your the the length of your event in days, you know it's quite long, and he's in the final days, but there's still a long way to go. A lot can go wrong. And a lot can go well. He really appreciates it. If you message him, if you get him on at pylon at Twitter or at Instagram, he will see your messages. Alice is managing the Instagram account, but I'm sure shares them all with him. If you've got his number, send him a message. And share his story. Share this podcast and just share the story with what's going on out there. If you want to know more about what pylon's all about, hit pylonultra.com. There's a Facebook page where you can join us on Facebook and get in the chat. You don't have to be a coached athlete. Um, to be involved, we um, we are here to support everyone, some people are coached, some people are just part of the pilot community, all are welcome, and that's the most important thing. Stay tuned, these podcasts are intermittent based on the availability, it would have been out earlier if Paul wasn't in mountains with no Starlink, no Wi-Fi, no, none of the stuff that we all take for granted now. Um, But we would hope to do one If not just before he finishes Certainly afterwards to bring the story home But the best way to keep in touch with what's going on Is at Pylon on Instagram Give me a shout if you've got any questions And thank you so much For lending us your ears And listening to this week's Pylon Ultra Podcast Goodbye